0: wonder if you know what it is to come face to face with someone after avoiding them for a very long time. Today's story is about Jacob spending the night before he comes face to face with his brother Esau for the first time in 20 20- years. Years. Jacob does not have a good relationship with his twin brother. Jacob, 20 years ago, deceived his family in order to steal his brother's birthright. And now, fast forward a couple decades later, They're getting ready to meet again for the first time. Jacob is understandably nervous about how this encounter is going to go. And so he sends a peace offering to his brother, a large offering of livestock in hopes of pacifying his brother's anger. If I give him a bunch of nice treats, Maybe that can soften him up. Well, Once Jacob finally gets his family settled, he tries to fall asleep and it ain't happening. Have you ever had that moment the night before the big encounter and you just can't fall asleep? You switch to your side, you switch to your other side, you switch to your back, you go for a walk, You and nothing works. He's up all night, and in the still of the night, he is ambushed, ransacked. The text says a man clobbers him and begins wrestling with him all night. There's a lot of ambiguity in this story. Almost every translation you read is going to tell it, differently at crucial details. Different English translations have tried different things to try to smooth it out. And basically that means they got some translators in the room and said, yeah, we kind of all think it goes this way. Let's tell the story this way. But you find another translation team does something a little different with it. For example, who precisely is this person that Jacob is wrestling with? Uh, Maybe it's a hitman sent by Esau. That's kind of the most expected reading, the way that the story has been told, you would expect that Esau just sent someone in the dark of night to make sure that the meetup the next day doesn't actually happen. But other people say, no, maybe it was an angel. And there's some people who say, yeah, you know, the kind of angel that just kind of means messenger. So it was like a message person who came. Or other persons uh, translate this or interpret this as, you know, kind of the, "Ah, angel, like this celestial being that showed up and decided to just, you know, go at it with Jacob. Other people say, well, if it's an angel, is it one of God's angels or is it like a nefarious angel? Maybe there's even one translator who thinks it was like Esau's guardian angel that said, you know, (laughs) it's time to settle the score, buddy. There's even some folks mostly Christians, who have tried to say that it's actually God who is doing the wrestling. I don't really know who it is. For all I know, it's a personification of the internal wrestling that Jacob is going through. You ever had that kind of anxiety where you're so wrapped up in what's going to happen tomorrow that you're just wrestling through the night I don't know who this person actually was, but clearly Jacob is internally torn up and externally torn up by the end of the night. And I want you to consider two aspects of this wrestling match, the more that I've thought about this story this week. Here's the first. The wrestling match is not some rando story. It exists within a particular story about Jacob wrestling his brother. Sam Wells says that in Genesis 3, the question is, Where are you? And in Genesis 4, the question to Cain is, Where is your brother? And in this story, you kind of get both. (laughs) Where are you? Who are you? Where is your brother? See, what this story is really about is about Jacob being unable to make it right with his brother and discovering that your inability to make it right with your brother actually really has a profound effect on your relating with God. This is why the New Testament says that those who say, oh, I love God, but I hate God my sisters, my brothers, my siblings, everybody else, it actually kind of shows that you're lying. Because if you hate people that you do see, but you say you love God who you've never seen, we kind of begin to wonder if you really know what love is. How can you say you love God if in your heart you hate other people? Like it just has this real grounding that I kind of love hate at times, but love, uh, we're not talking about me. I love it. Um, it's a sermon about you. Um, so, uh, when we, when we love other people, it's a pretty good indicator that we actually do love God. And when we really don't love other people, it's a pretty good indicator that we like to talk about God. And there's a really big difference between actually being overwhelmed by the love of God that pours out to other people and playing religious games where we just learn how to talk God talk. You'll have to read for yourself what happens the next day when Jacob actually comes face to face with Esau the night after he said he was face to face with God. But I want you to hold those two faces together they are really much more intimately related than we would like to believe. Find out who your greatest enemy is. (laughs) Get in touch with how you actually feel about them. And that should drive you into a theological exploration. That's the first aspect of this wrestling match. Here's the second. The early church read the ambiguity within this text in frankly, a really fun kind of way. They read the ambiguity of a word with and turned it into a tag team story. Origen in his book on first principles, if you're taking class with me, how to take the Bible seriously, but not literally, I see you. Uh, I see those hands. Uh, Origen says wrestling with God is not the same thing as the bell ringing and you go into a match where you wrestle against God. You see that? It's a little bitty distinction, but Origen just reads the text carefully. Now, you will see other texts kind of try to get wonky with it, but Origen says, wrestling with is not the same thing as wrestling against. He says, the New Testament says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. My fight is not against you. Your fight is not against me, and it's not against other people. Our fight is against the powers and principalities of this world. So to say that Jacob was wrestling with God must mean that in the moonlight that night, it was not just Jacob versus this other person. It was actually Jacob and God in a tag team match against the powers and principalities of this world. I wonder why we like to tell stories about ourselves wrestling against God. I wonder why we prefer those stories. I think it's because in some way it allows us to tell a story where we can at least pretend for a little bit that we're equals with God. Oh, I'm wrestling with God right now. Ooh, you know, I I just about, you know, had God in a headlock and it it was really close there for a minute. And in a weird kind of way, I think that's just really self-absorbed and delusional. We, we make a really, really big deal, probably an overly big deal about, oh, but I just have all these struggles and these questions. And believe me, like, I'm not making light of that. Uh, part of the reason that I love teaching classes is because I've got struggles and questions that I'm, <laughs> I'm not even going to lay on you, right? I mean, the further in with God you get, you do have more questions and struggles and, and doubts. And yet, in a way, the way we talk about those is almost still just another attempt for us to try to get control of God. Instead of letting God be God and realizing that we are not God in any way, shape, or form. God is not my rival. God is not my opponent. God is not my equal. God is God and I am not. Furthermore, I think Gentiles like me can pretty easily read this story and say, yeah, see, there there goes Israel wrestling with God. Why are they trying to always wrestle, you know, against God in, in an opposing kind of way? And I think Gentiles can unintentionally or, maybe intentionally, sadly, underwrite anti-Jewish notions by saying, there goes Israel, always trying to get into a fight with God again. How silly of them. So instead of telling the story about you and God always getting in a fight, as if that were the most interesting story to tell, what if we just played around with this reading from the third century that said, this is actually a story about you wrestling with God against evil. What if God is trying to tag you in to wrestle against evil powers and principalities in this world? A better question, a less self-absorbed question than, you know, how are you fighting against God? Stop, put, you know, just let God tap you out. I mean, that, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's that version of the sermon that I don't really care to preach today. I want to preach a different one that asks what kind of evil might God be asking you to get in a wrestling match against alongside God and obviously God's like way more powerful than you so you're just kind of along for the ride and there are tag team matches that have been I mean there are tag teams that have been super asymmetrical like that before I'm trying real hard not to list off my favorite tag team Um, we're not going to talk about the young bucks or the lucha bros or the hardy broys or uh, the British bulldogs Uh, we're going to keep it focused on the bible here and what happens is God gives us a story where God invites us to wrestle alongside God against evil. And I think that's a more interesting question to put in front of us today. I wonder what kinds of evil God is trying to invite us to come tag in and start wrestling against. What kinds of injustices and oppressions is God trying to get us to actually start caring about with God? To be clear, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Your enemy is not your neighbor. Esau is not Jacob's enemy. Jesus Christ shows us a better way, loving our enemies and seeing in one another a greater kinship, seeing how the spiritual and systemic powers and principalities have captured us all into the ways of death. And so, when God says, I'm going to tag you in with me to go get evil, that doesn't mean we start taking out other human beings. That's what we always try to do. We always try to make other human beings our enemies rather than our kin. They're no longer my brother. They're no longer my sister. They're no longer my sibling. It's no longer Esau, it's my enemy but instead we are invited into a deeper communion. You know, our liturgies here that we do at 1030 on Sundays have a sense of artistic embodiment to them. Nothing is without reason. The liturgical acts speak for themselves, but they simultaneously gesture a deeper way of life. Communion itself is such a dense act that there is a wide range of theological resonance that can be explored in the multiple ways that we embody communion. For example, for a while, uh, we kind of tried different things. Now, if you think week to week, it looks like we don't. But if you think bigger picture, we do. There's for a while now, I have, when I'm celebrating or Jason, when he's celebrating, we've stood on the same side of the altar as you when we pray, because we've been trying to deeply play with this resonance that we are all facing Almighty God together. But there have been other times in this church when we've celebrated the Eucharist on the other side of the altar to reinforce that we are a communion that actually closes the circle and we are a community where we discover by looking into each other's faces, by making a circle of communion, we actually discover that Jesus Christ's presence is among us, like the toot on the road to Emmaus. And you discover that by the time we make it to the communion table, what have we already done? What's the last thing we do when we leave the font? After we confess our sins, we make peace with one another. This is the way of life that Jesus is inviting us into. Confess your own complicity to evil and then make peace with everyone. And then come together and discover in kinship that God has been with you the whole time. So today we'll begin exploring those resonances again, really plunging into the depths of being with one another in communion, discovering that God is always with us in our being with each other. But when you do that, I want you to take heart. Origen goes on to say that you are not in a solo wrestling match. It's not all of the evil in the world versus you and God. It's all of us, all of God's people all of humanity with God struggling against the powers and principalities. And isn't that so crucial? I mean, the stories that we tell ourselves is, oh, we're just a little bit of education away from finally getting racism and homophobia. I mean, and misogyny, and you just kind of run down the list. It's like, I'm sure we're just right around the corner with a little bit more education. It'll just suddenly go away. And it's like, actually, if anything, it just proves how deeply we are held in the clutches of systemic evil. It's got its clutches in us deep. And we have got to hold one another together as siblings, not enemies, if we have any chance of working with God against evil. Psalm 121 is like the song that blasts on the PA system when we make our entrance down the ramp. I lift my eyes up to the hill. Where does my help come from? I lift my eyes to the hill. From where is my help to come? My help comes from God, the maker of heaven and earth. God will not let our foot be moved. God watches over us and we will not fall asleep. God watches over Israel and shall neither slumber nor sleep. It is God who watches over you. God is your shade at your right hand, so that the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. God shall preserve you from all evil. It is God who shall keep you safe. God shall watch over your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. My dear sisters, brothers, and siblings, this is the song that we sing in our hearts as we wrestle with God against the powers of death that seek to further keep us from reconciling with our enemies who have always actually been our siblings.